0: February the 11th, as Derek mentioned, next Sunday night is the Sweethearts Banquet. The Happy Hearts Luncheon is on February the 19th. February the 23rd is the Silver Threads Bible Study, and then February the 25th, that fourth Sunday Fellowship meal will be that night after the service. That's everything that I have. Are there any announcements that I may have overlooked? If not, those to serve tonight are song leader, be Wyatt Bohannon. Opening prayer by Will Brewer, sermon by Matt Miller, and closing prayer by Four, one. With me dear lord we come to you now thank you for this day you've blessed us with and thank you for letting us come meet here and worship you and sing songs and hymns in your name if you'll be with the speaker and let him give his lesson and let us learn much from it tonight lord and if you'll let us apply it to our everyday walks of life in christ's name we pray amen
1: In the song before four match lesson be four nine six. Four nine six.
2: everybody I have just been so, I've just, I don't know what it is, but I, just studying God's word has just, I just feel like I'm just gaining knowledge by the moment, you know, I, I mean, I read things that I've read maybe months ago, and and things just connect, and I'll go to class, and a they'll have a devo on something and it, uh, the teacher will just say one thing and it's just like man I, you know I, I remember reading that in psalms or whatever I, you know god's word really will train you and teach you and thoroughly equip you for every good work won't it if you'll let it do that you will be literally led by the spirit i don't have this overcoming over me and i'm led to say crazy things but i can absolutely be led by the spirit when i look into his word and let it guide my life amen one of the beautiful things about this morning was what jesus says he says he who has an ear let him hear what what the spirit says to the churches right tonight we're going to continue our series on prayer and I want to talk tonight about acceptable prayer. Psalm 61 verses 1 through 8 is where we'll start. Psalm 61 verses 1 through 8. We had a great crowd at the at the uh, youth worship. It was a great time over there. The singing was good. I saw people walking by and they were just kind of looking back and seeing the just the 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 beauty of voices singing together, we sung our God, He is alive, and man, it was a great uh, singing together, and and Derek did a great job over there. Thank you, boys, for what y'all are doing and and the great example that y'all are setting for uh, the other younger ones. Psalm 61, verses 1 through 8, this is where we'll start. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. When we pray to God, we want our prayers to be acceptable, right? We don't want to send up a prayer that is not going to be acceptable because if it's not acceptable, then God's not going to hear it. He's not going to hear it, and he's not going to answer it. And here we see David say, Hear my cry, O God, and attend to my prayer. Well, in order to have an acceptable prayer life, in order for us to have a prayer life that God is pleased with, that God wants to listen to and help with, we don't want to have a prayer life that has hindrances, do we? There are some hindrances to prayer. There are some things that cause us to not be able to pray to the Lord in the right way. And I'm going to have you all flip. Uh, to some scriptures tonight, so I hope that you're ready. The first one that I want to talk about, the hindrances of prayer, is a lack of faith. James chapter 1. I'm, I'm stepping again all in Danny's class, but I just got to pass through here. I heard a preacher say, I just got to pass through here and then I'll be on on uh down the road but he's just gonna i'm just want to stop right in here for just a minute and talk about this lack of faith i think we talked about it uh maybe last week when we talked about or the week before when did we when did i last week the last week there's a week whenever i was up here the last sunday night i mean i'm already starting to lose my memory mark pray for that will you brother got me all right lack of faith if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask of god who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him but let him ask with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When we pray to God, if we want it to be acceptable, one of the hindrances that keeps it from being that way is our lack of trust. Our lack of trust for God hearing the prayer and then answering it. And also, it's the doubt that comes with it. Well, really, I'm praying this prayer, but I don't know if he'll really answer my prayer brethren I've got several things that are going on in my life with my family and I would like for you guys to pray about those things and I want you to pray with confidence for me will you will you pray specifically that the the, the issues in my life will get resolved the way that the lord wants them to be resolved because I want you guys to pray with such confidence that it'll get answered that it'll get uh, done the right way. Uh, James had a great point this morning when he was talking about sister in law, and he said that uh, this may be a slow going cancer, and maybe the prayers that we offered up caused that to happen. I mean, what an amazing thing, right? We pray our prayer to God so He'll answer the prayer. We don't pray because we're doubting. We don't pray to an idol really knowing that that idol is just what it is, an idol of wood or, or something that's man-made. No, this is the living God, the creator of everything, and when we pray to him, don't doubt. What else hinders us in our prayer life? Wickedness. Turn to Psalm 66. Psalm 66. Verse 18. Listen to what this psalm says, y'all. Listen to this. And I'm going to back up to verse 16. It says, come and hear all of you who fear God. And I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth. And he was extolled with my tongue. And watch what verse 18 says. If I regard iniquity in my heart, what does it say? The Lord will not hear. If I'm a wicked person, if I'm really just putting on the front, if I'm really wicked in my ways and I'm really doing things that are just... Uh, contrary to God's word, how little that may seem, God's not going to hear it, is he? Wickedness cannot be a part of who God is. You remember when Jesus was talking about being uh, hot or cold? He said, I'd rather you be hot or I'd rather you be cold, but I don't want you to be lukewarm. And he says a very disgusting thing really because he says if you're lukewarm I will vomit you out of my mouth lukewarm people people who act like they're something and they're really not somebody who is a hypocrite somebody who says that they're going to do the right things but really don't have any intentions of doing it when they send their prayers up God will not hear The prayer of those who will not obey his will are also an abomination. Turn to Proverbs chapter 28. Abomination is a pretty powerful word when it comes to what God thinks of people. Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, One away his ear from hearing the law even his prayer is an abomination hey brethren if we're not studying to show ourselves approved if we're not studying to be that person that is able to rightly divide the word if we're not a person that is studying and spending time in God's Word to be able to what uh, understand what he wants us to do in our lives When we turn our ears away from his law, when we turn our ears away from what he wants us to do and we begin to do whatever we think is right, our prayers are an abomination. Think about it though. I'm going to do what I want to do until trouble strikes my life. I'm going to do what I want to do until i got these situations going on in my life. And then what I'm going to offer up is some prayers to God. Our God is an awesome God, but he's not a genie in the bottle. Amen? Our God, you cannot just rub and wish for something and poof, there it is. You got two more, Matt. You better be careful on your two more wishes because that's all you got. Our God wants to see what we're about. Our God wants to say, here's what I've got planned for your life, a straight path, A path that's not crooked, a path that's not wiggly. It may not even be a word, but that's all right. A wiggly path, I want to make a straight path. So do you want it? Do you want this path that's going to take you straighter and straighter in the decisions that you make? So when you do pray for me, you're praying as John says, according to his will. You're not asking for those crazy things out in left field. You're asking for the things that you know God is ready to hear and ready to answer and ready to help you with. Why do we so many times allow all of these things to hinder us when we pray to God? What else? And the more that I thought about this one, I... I didn't really like how I worded it at first, but I really do like how this ends up. And let me just kind of set it up. Substituting prayer for obedience. There's one immediately that we can think of, right? I cannot just say a prayer and be saved. Why can that not be? Because the Bible says that's not the way it is, right? On the day of Pentecost, Peter said, repent when he opens up this way to be saved, this way to be added to this kingdom, this way to be forgiven of uh, sins. He says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. But turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse eight. It says, though he was a son, Jesus, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus, the Son of God, came to the earth and learned through obedience. And then it says, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who Obey Him. See, a prayer is great. A prayer gets you uh, to the Father, but a prayer cannot save you. Obedience to the gospel saves you. And over and over we see these things uh, in in the Bible. We see uh, somebody will tell, God would tell somebody to do something, and if they had the faith to do it, they would hear what He said, and then what would happen? They would do it. Over and over and over this happens all the time throughout the Bible, and it never changes. The way that we are saved is through the gospel, believing who Jesus is, repenting of our sins, confessing his name before men, saying that I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and then being baptized in water for the remission of your sins. 1 Peter 3.21 specifically talks about it not being a bath. It's not just removal of filth of the flesh, but it's an answer of a good conscience towards God. Why is that phrase so important? Why is that phrase, an answer of a good conscience towards God, so important? Because I'm in the water, and I'm saying I can't do it. A prayer can't do it. I can't do enough good deeds to do it. The only person that can do it is you, God. And I'm willing to let you do it because you said that you're going to forgive me of my sins. In Colossians chapter 2, that's exactly what happens. When you go into the water, you receive the circumcision that's made without hands. Amen? The cutting away of the filth of the flesh. And God does some work in the water, and when you come out, you're clean. That's not my opinion. That's not what I thought of. That's not what I went to school and got taught. That's exactly what the Word tells us. Prayer cannot be a substitute for obedience. It just can't happen. And look at the second one. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You know... You ever done something really bad and then you're like, God, will you just take that problem, I mean, away? I mean, I know I had to go to court and I know I'm going to have to pay this fine and I know I'm going to have to probably go to jail. But can I just pray and it will miraculously go away? The verse says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, what's going to happen? You're going to have to reap it. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that you don't pray to God and you say, Lord, will you help me through this situation? I done jammed myself up again. Again and again, Lord, I keep jamming myself up. I don't know why I'm doing it. I don't know why I keep making the same mistake over and over again. But will you be with me? As I go through this one more time, when I have to deal with this situation and make this wrong right, the way that I talk to my wife, the way that I've destroyed my family, will you be with me? Prayer is no substitution for obedience, but prayer helps you through your obedience. Lord, help me get through this. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to go ahead and do what I got to do, Lord. And I'm sorry that I sinned against you. But to just pray the prayer and think that it's just magically going to go away, that does such a disservice to the God that we serve. God wants to be with us in it. He's not a genie. But as you do the right things, as you pray the right way, even when you mess up, God will be with you, and God does work providentially in those situations, doesn't he? Have you ever done something wrong and then you go try? I always talk about... Uh, court stuff, and I always think about that type of stuff because that's just the type of people I was associated around. And, you know, I remember people. I I remember a guy who had obeyed the gospel, and he uh, had done some terrible things. And he was about to go to court, and he didn't really know what was going on. And, And me and him for about three weeks prayed in that room on the phone with each other and he knew that he was going to get this sentence and this was going to be what it was and and he was just really depressed he was going to go to the penitentiary and he was going to have to be in there for about a year and a half i came back down the next week after court and i just asked to see if he was there i didn't even think he was there huh. oh ye of little faith i'm huh, at I didn't even think he was there. I mean, we were specifically praying that, Lord, let him stay right here in Sumner County. Just let him stay here. Let him finish his time here, and it'll be better for him because he can get into this house. the, The prayer that we prayed was exactly what happened. He had to go do some things. He had to go in front, of the, in front of the judge. He had to admit that he was guilty. He had to say uh, what he had done. He totally told the truth when he went up there. And he was struggling with that. We talked about this in class. He had the chance to lie and say that he didn't do it. But me and him had the conversation, did you really do it? And he said, yeah, man, I really did it. And I said, well, you know what you got to do. I mean, I feel bad for you, but I know what you got to do. And so what does he do? He admits it. He didn't just pray that it would go away and did nothing. The Bible tells us what we sow, we will also reap. So if we want to reap fleshly things, if we want to do bad things, to pray to God and ask him to bail us out, isn't that kind of a smack in the face? God didn't do any of that. You know, when you obeyed the gospel, I had several of my buddies at work. This was a problem they struggled with. They obeyed the gospel and immediately wanted all of those things that they had sown to go away. How come you ain't coming to church no more, man? I've been missing you. Oh, man, I just... I never got that situation fixed like it was supposed to be fixed. What? I've been praying. I prayed all the time like you told me. Matt, you told me. You don't think that hurts? When somebody you are so passionate to tell the truth about. They obey it. They want it. They want to do the right thing. And then here they are. They can't get these problems fixed. They won't come to the assembly. They won't start gaining this knowledge. And immediately they turn it on you. Ever been there, brethren? Hey, man, I prayed all the time and you didn't even get answered. This Jesus stuff, man, (laughs) you kind of crazy, man. Brethren, I'm pouring my heart out to you, and I try to do it every week. Not because I want to put on a show. Not because I'm trying to be something else. I'm trying to tell you guys from my heart that this Jesus stuff is real. It will change who you are. Why let things hinder The one thing that you have, a prayer life to a God who loves you and wants to take care of you. Or could you just care less? Hurry up, Matt. Hurry up. What else? Selfishness. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 3. Good stuff right here, brethren. What's a hindrance to our prayer life? Look at verse 3. You ask and you do not receive. Why don't you receive? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, does that mean that you don't pray and ask God for things that you need in your life? Absolutely. But what are the things that you're asking for? Here's a question. And I'll raise my hand right on this. Are we praying that we'll grow not only spiritually but numerically and that we'll have more baptisms, somebody coming forward that will have some person that's in the congregation needing to change their life. Are we praying for those types of things? Or are we just praying for the physical part of our lives? Do we need to pray for our physical lives? Absolutely. I pray for Kurt all the time when he's, Wherever he's at, I don't know where he's at. I can't remember, but on an island somewhere. I prayed for him. Hey, and you know what? I prayed without doubting. I said, Lord, be with him. And I'm going to pat myself on the back because guess what? He's sitting right there. And I know many more people prayed for him. This prayer stuff gets me emotional, y'all, because we actually can come boldly to a throne that was not available for lots and lots of years. We're able to come to a throne and step boldly to it when we're struggling and we can receive mercy and grace in our time of need. Why would we let selfishness, why would we let those physical things distract us from being able to pray to God? Lord, I just need you to, I need some money, man. And we do need money, and we do need clothes, and we do need a house, and we do need a car. But doesn't Jesus Jesus talk about that even the sparrows get taken care of? How much more is God going to take care of you? Does God not want us to have things? Absolutely not. God wants us to have things. But how is our prayer life aimed? Is it aimed more for our benefit or is it aimed more for God's benefit, allowing us to work for his glory and honor? Well, Matt, if I start praying like that, then I'm not going to be able to do some of the things that I used to do. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I remember when I started cutting the, the fat off of my life that was outside of Christ. Man, I started slabbing off all kinds of things. You know it? Oh, I can't do that anymore. Man, I really enjoy doing that. Yeah, you don't need to be doing that no more. You don't need to be doing that anymore. then my prayer life and it's not where it needs to be at i want it to be better this is a great lesson for me as well because i don't want to pray selfishly yeah i want to preach I, when i pray i'll just tell y'all when i before i get up here i pray a let a, a prayer to god and i say lord just bless this sermon what i don't ever want to pray is lord bless, bless this sermon uh So it'll be the greatest lesson ever where everybody will come and say, you know what, Matt, I've never heard a speaker like you. I know that's far from what's going to happen because I can't even say words correct, and that's okay. But will the message be relayed the right way? Will God get the glory? I want to continue to pray those types of things. When I wake up in the morning and I say, you know what? Whoever I come in contact with, will I be able to bring glory and honor to your name and the things that I say and the things that I do? What a blessing it was to go over to Richland and three of the older ladies that I've got a Bible study going on Tuesday were so excited about it. That makes me feel good. The lady asked me at the, I mean, we got, I, I may have talked about this already. We had a tough situation at the beginning of trying to get this study going. And she asked, she said, there was a person that was doing the Bible study, and what they did was they left because we couldn't get the people down here soon enough. And they didn't want to be in a Bible study that only had several people in it. I said, ma'am, I'd love to do that Bible study. And I don't care if one person's in there. It don't matter to me. We had like 10. Michael, I mean, Michael comes. It's been a great blessing. And then to walk in there and they will just, they are so excited about being a part of those things. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm trying to grow. That's what I'm trying. What are you doing in your life? Because we all have the opportunities to set up a Bible study. We all have opportunities to set up times where we encourage our families around us. We all have those times, and you ain't got to be a Greek scholar to do it. Trust me. I know that. But are we praying selfishly? If we are, our prayers are being hindered. He says, and you do not receive when you ask because you ask amiss. Well, what else? A wrong attitude towards others. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But brethren, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. How's our attitude towards others? You know, when we do pray, we ask for forgiveness, right? But if you're not willing to forgive somebody else, the Bible says your Father ain't going to forgive you. He's not going to forgive you. Now look at 1 Peter 3, 7. I'm hoping that I can get some points from the the ladies out here after this verse. I'm hoping. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. As to the... And as being heirs together, the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. How are we treating our wives, husbands? Are we loving them like Christ loved the church? Are we doing those things that we're supposed to do? To treat them the right way, with the right attitude, as an equal, as being heir together to the grace of life? Because if we're not, if we're not doing that, and really the wife too, wives, are we treating our husbands the right way? Are we helping them? Are we respecting them? Are we trying to be there for them? Are we trying to encourage them when they're down? Are you trying to encourage them not just physically, hey, I hope you have a good day, but spiritually? That's the best. That's the best. I love it when Aaron sends me a text and says, I hope you have a good day. Don't let your attitudes hinder your prayer life, brethren. She says, have a good day. And I appreciate you and your love for the Lord. Man really i mean she'd been way better than me she waited for me (laughs) you know i mean i was out doing all kind of knucklehead moves but to get an encouraging text not just a physical i love you and i appreciate you but an actual spiritual uplifting text man that moves you are we all about the physical that we forget about the spiritual when the spiritual becomes number one you remember what Jesus said you remember the greatest command love yourself number one and above anything else and when you do that you'll be blessed in all that you do and you'll never never have a problem no He said, if you love me, then the next thing you'll do is you'll love others. That's a great concept. When we have the right attitude towards forgiveness, when we have the right attitude in our relationships with our husbands and our wives, when we have the right relationship just in the family, period, It allows you to have an acceptable prayer life but now let's look at these acceptable qualities and I'm I'm just about done I appreciate y'all's patience the first thing is a proper life in order for you to have an acceptable prayer life it's got to be proper it must be one that's righteous 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. Let me set this up. You must be one who's righteous. So to be righteous, you've got to practice righteousness, right? 1 John 3, 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you, He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. Well, how do I know if I'm righteous? How do I know if I'm doing righteous things? Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I know I got y'all flipping. And here's where it pulls into an acceptable prayer life. John chapter 15, verse 7, look at what Jesus says. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and this shall be done for you. My mind has moved from wickedness. My mind has moved from being selfish. My mind has now moved into being righteous. So now, when I do things, I do God's commandments. I want to keep them. I want to say and do the right thing. So now, when I pray again, I'm praying the right way. What an awesome thing to put together. How is your life, brethren? Is it proper? Are you living a righteous life are we in the middle? Are we lukewarm? What else? In order for us to have an acceptable prayer life, we must pray with reverence, shouldn't we? Don't we got to pray with reverence, knowing who we're praying to? Psalm 111 verse 9 says, He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Man, what a powerful verse. What a powerful thought. Holy and awesome is his name. What about Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20. giving thanks always for the things to god the father in the name of lord jesus christ when we pray we must not only pray with reverence we got to give him some thanksgiving don't we we don't just need to give him thanksgiving on thanksgiving right or like a week before when we do a devo on thanksgiving or a sermon right oh we'll get in that thanks no all the time We got to be giving thanks, don't we? Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. What's that song? And thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole and saving my soul. I want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. And the third thing, Matthew 6, 14, we were just there. One must pray with reverence. One must pray with thanksgiving. And one must pray with a forgiving spirit. Right? I mean, that's big time. If you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. And you've got to pray with proper authority. Colossians Chapter 3, verse 17. Derek talked about this area of Scripture at at Richland. But verse 17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we pray, we must pray in the name of Christ, right? In the name, which means by the authority of. Well, why is that? Because Jesus, to Christians, to us brethren, is our high priest. Jesus, brethren, is our mediator. Jesus, brethren, is our advocate. With that being said, when we say our prayer, when we bring it to the Father, we say we pray these things in Jesus' name. Because he's the mediator. He's the advocate. He's the one that makes intercession for us. Amen? Man, that's awesome, isn't it? When I pray to the Father and I ask in Jesus' name, isn't that what makes you proud to be a Christian? Are are we not proud to be a Christian to know that when we pray that we have somebody who's there to always make intercession for us? That's amazing to me. That is amazing to me that somebody has my back way more than 100%. It's never-ending if we want it. So if I pray with the right mind, if I pray with reverence, and I pray with thanksgiving, and I pray with a forgiving spirit, and I pray with the proper authority, I will have acceptable prayer life. I want to close with this, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Did I mess that up? Yep, of course. Luke chapter 18, sorry about that, Timothy. Verses 1 through 8. Well-known story, we know this. The parable of persistent widow. And I want to leave you with this. I want to encourage you as you go out the doors to remember this parable. Then he spoke a parable to them. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Hey, you want to have acceptable prayer life? When you pray and it don't immediately get answered, don't lose heart. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Kind of a humorous story, really. Here's a judge who could care less about God, who could care less about what men think of him, but why does he answer this this widow? Because he's sick of her constantly coming to him. Hey, you think you can help me with my adversary? Hey, when do you think you can help me? You, You ever had a boss like that? I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it because she's not here and she can't defend herself. But y'all probably know what I'm talking about, but I'm not going to say it. But she's not like that. She does not nag and persistently get me to try to do things. She tries to encourage me because I forget a lot. It's really my fault that she's helping me out, really. There's not a nagging at all in that. She does great with me. She keeps me straight, y'all. But look at what verse 6 says. Here it is, right here. Then I'm done. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God, our Father, brethren, not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, here's the question, and here's the the thought as we leave. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? You want to know how you have an acceptable prayer life above anything else? One that doesn't lose heart? Who's your faith in? Who do you believe in? Who do you work for? Just like we talked about this morning, who do you love? Do you love Jesus? Would you do anything for him? Would you fix the things that are going on in your life that's hindering your prayer life? Would you make it better and better so that when you pray, it's more in a direction that it needs to go, that it's directed on the things that are going to be pleasing to God and it's going to help you grow spiritually? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling. Maybe you're here today and you're going through some things and you need encouragement and you need uh, some prayers. I just want to say this, though. Friend, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. Jesus said over and over to be ready. If you know the truth, if you've heard the truth, if you know what it means to be a Christian and you just haven't done it, don't miss the opportunity. Think about if you missed the opportunity and then you have to stand in front of the Lord. And you say, Lord, I... am I knew what to do. Don't hear the words, depart from me you who practice lawlessness. Put Christ on in baptism, become his child. It's not an embarrassing thing. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. I don't care how many Super Bowls you won. I don't care how many MVPs you got in sports. I don't care how many, I don't care about any of those material things. The greatest thing that you could ever do is become a child of God because when you become a child of God, you become an heir and a co heir with Christ. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Don't wait. Don't miss the opportunity to make heaven your home. Whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.
1: supper you can go in the, room in the back this time the closing song would be 682 682
0: Let us pray our Father in heaven we thank thee for this day for the many blessings you've given us for this opportunity to come together here and worship thee the true and living God we pray Heavenly Father that people worldwide may have this privilege we pray Heavenly Father for the missionaries in foreign fields we pray Heavenly Father for our soldiers our troops at home and abroad especially those that are in uh, harm's way. We ask thee to forgive us of our sins and our shortcomings as we forgive our fellow man who sins against us. We ask thee now to go with us as we depart. Go with us through this week. Bring us back at the next appointed time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.